afternoon and welcome to this epic-sized episode of Screen Cleaning. Cole, why is it epi- or epic-sized? Because it is another bracket challenge here on Screen Cleaning. We pit movies against each other and we pick the ones that we like more. But this one is different because we're not talking about one particular movie in each slot. We're talking about three movies in one slot because this is our big trilogy bracket challenge. It is. Instead of just talking about 16 or we've talked about 22 movies before, it's actually, uh, you know, whatever 16 times three is. I was only a math major in college. You can't expect too much. Well, and we unfortunately won't have a ton of time to talk about each film, but we'll get into that here in just a minute. We do have some news that we want to share with you. And we'll make it quick so we can start the bracket. Absolutely. Two big trailers that have just hit the internet, and uh, they both have years in the title, right? So basically, well, kind of. You've got Ghostbusters 2020, which is actually called Ghostbusters Afterlife. Alternatively, I have seen in many places on the internet Ghostbusters 3 Afterlife because we are just ignoring entirely the 2016 Ghostbusters. Right. And it makes it clear this is a continuation of the story established in parts one and two. Which movies just do all the time. I'm a horror fan. The Halloween franchise alone has ignored bits and pieces of its movies on at least four separate occasions. So it's not new to the Ghostbusters world. Well, this time around, you get some Paul Rudd. You get some Finn Wolfhard, who seems to be in everything horror related these days. Saw a trailer for The Turning just last night while I was at the theaters. He'll be in that. Mm -hmm. And then you also get Wonder Woman 1984. With her fancy gold suit. It looks so cool. Cole, this looks like it could be a fun film. Comic Embracing the comic bookiness that Shazam kind of tapped into a little bit for the DC side, but mostly we've seen on the Marvel movies. Right. And after the, the success of Guardians of the Galaxy... I feel like we started seeing more superhero movies that are, like, bright and colorful and funny. I was worried— Because that's what the comic books were like in the 80s. Sure. But I was worried that this was going to try to just catch on to the coattails of Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, with all the big, bright colors. Like but Thor Ragnarok did. They're, they're keeping it a little more grounded and serious than, you know, Thor Ragnarok, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So uh, it could be interesting. And Pedro Pascal, who's having a very big year as The Mandalorian on Disney Plus's The Mandalorian, has a pretty significant role in this film as well, except this time you actually get to see his face. Yeah, I I don't know what Pedro Pascal looks like. And so now you do. Cole, we also saw a couple of movies that are out this weekend that we want to talk about. Let's give you no. Let's talk about the big release first. Uh, now nah, let's do mine first. Okay, let's yours save first it. because Black Christmas was what I was seeing in the theaters before I got the turning trailer and actually an Invisible Man trailer that I'm also extremely really? excited for with mm. Elizabeth Moss uh, because I love the Universal horrors and that dark universe seemed to peter out before it ever got started. Anyway, I was seeing Black Christmas and, and it's a PG-13 horror, so normally I am chomping at the bit to get to talk about it on this show. Uh, This one, not so much. This is not exactly a movie for me, uh, and it wasn't exactly a horror movie either. It was uh, was a feminist project is what it was, and the – more so than saying it has an agenda, the whole movie was feminism. It wasn't necessarily horror or what was going on on the plot. 
And so if if you're in for that message more so than any of the blood and guts and scares that I normally am for horrors, then this is probably a movie for you. I didn't realize any of that going in. I was just expecting an awesome rehash of the 1974 classic that in you know North America birthed the slasher genre along with Texas Chainsaw Massacre the same year. Uh, this really does not care at all that it's remaking a classic. It's just a new story for a new time. Take it or leave it. Okay. Well, let's talk about another new story for the next level of Jumanji. Okay. This is the big release. Yes. And it's the film that will dethrone Frozen 2, thank goodness. Um, Jumanji, the next level, it picks up where pretty much where the last one left off. These four friends who went through this ordeal in the first film have kind of gone their separate ways, but they're trying to stay in touch. But the the character of Spencer is having a rough time with life. The rock in the video game. Right. And he's kind of pining for the days when he was Dr. Smolder Bravestone, so much so that he fixes the game and reinserts himself back in so that he can be Dr. Smolder Bravestone. However, things don't turn out the way he hopes they would. Which is awesome because he wants that confidence back. And then when he lands in the video game, because he didn't fix it all the way, there are some bugs. And he didn't realize that he'd be moving on in the game, not getting to replay the same level of jungle wilderness we had in the first one, but moving on to a desert scape in and the second. And not the same character. That's kind of the big uh, gimmick that this film has is the whole body swapping aspect aspect of it. I will say, Cole, this film for me wasn't as funny or fresh as the the one that we just had. And the body swapping thing, it's a clever gag, but we saw it all or almost all in the trailer. And it actually, if you think about it, doesn't make any sense. But I don't want to get into that right now. Now, there are places in actual video game. What they do is, you know, not to spoil anything that we haven't already spoiled, but there's kind of a place in the video game where you pause, you kind of wade into a pool of green light, and you get to switch your avatars, which is a a legitimate video game trope beyond just a movie thing to get them to swap characters. You know, if you need to, I think of especially in the Lego video games, each individual character has their own things that they can do and you can switch out to a different one so you All can right. accomplish different tasks. I stand corrected. But just as the original or the original, the one that came before this, Jack Black for me was still the highlight because whereas everybody else is playing a character, Jack Black is actually playing it straight no matter which character he is. And to me, I really appreciated that. It was it was fun, Cole. But I wasn't aching to watch it again like I was with uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Jack Black was probably my fourth favorite. I liked Kevin Hart doing a Danny Glover. Okay. I loved Aquafina doing a Danny DeVito. You got to quit spoiling that, Cole. (laughs) You got to quit spoiling that. The Rock doing a Danny DeVito is, is probably third. And then it's Jack Black doing whatever he does. Okay. I really liked the mandrel scene where they're on this series of rotating bridges. I thought that was a really clever and fun scene. Oh, gosh. I – it seemed like a video game, but I have other reasons to hate it. It's fine. See, we this can... is this is why Cole and I make perfect uh, foils for each other because we never agree on anything. Jack Black's, like, super ability is he can do geometry, and so he's just shouting out random terms from, like, sixth grade geometry class that have nothing to do with the level. All mm. you have to do is really just line it up and run straight, and he's shouting – 
obtuse trapezoid and it doesn't matter so you liked it though overall oh yeah it was super fun okay so just a really quick few things that you need to know about this movie there are callbacks to the previous film especially in the casting callbacks to the previous or previous film right also in the casting um and all some other things you should know i thought there was more language bad language in this one and it was probably even cruder than welcome to the jungle and the last thing that you really ought to know there will be another film you can bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow maybe even there will be another film <laughs> who knows at this point right yeah i'm looking forward to jumanji 3 slash 4 maybe 5 if we're going to throw zathura into the jumanji cinematic universe It is fun, but uh, not as fun as Welcome to the Jungle, in my opinion. I agree. So when we return, we are going to tackle this gigantic trilogies bracket. And since we're talking about three movies in each slot, we've got to have three judges on the panel, right, Cole? You make one, I make two, and when we come back, we will introduce our special third judge. That's on screen cleaning. The wonderful theme music from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. One of the many trilogies that we'll be talking about here on the program today. only the trilogy, not those extra couple movies. That's right. And we have a very special guest on the program today. Cole mentioned that if we're going to have a show about trilogies and we're going to decide which trilogy is the greatest of all time, there should be three of us, right? So we've got Cole, we've got myself, and we have our good friend, Rod Gustafson. Rod, welcome back. Hi, I'm I'm happy to be the tiebreaker to keep you two, you know, in, in your proper place. <laughs> this is good. we say that there's three judges, but essentially this is about to be Rod's bracket because Jeff and I will inevitably You guys disagree, disagree about everything. Yes. We'll yeah. see, we'll see. Cole and I agree occasionally, and hopefully this will be one of those times, especially if they're the movies that I like, right, Cole? Uh sure. Okay, so we have, as Cole said, we have sixteen trilogies that we're going to be talking about here on the program today. And I feel bad. That's that's 48 movies. I was yes. doing the math. Fast. Thank you for wow. doing the math. Somebody had to. I feel bad for one of the trilogies in this first head-to-head match because you have J.J. Abrams' Star Trek trilogy going up against the Godfather saga. And it is truly a saga. There, there's a lot of trilogies or threeologies or just little tiny stories, but the Godfather ones, truly a saga. So for me, The Godfather is the clear winner here, although I will say uh, for the original Star Trek in the J.J. Abrams trilogy, I can't recall having such a good time at the movie theater. One of the best times I've had at the movie theater in at least a Mm -hmm. decade. And But The Godfather is so epic in scale that for me, it's the clear winner. As we often do, we'll talk more about The Loser now because we'll have more opportunities to talk about The Godfather down the line. I also vote for The Godfather, but it's not because of any fault in the first Star Trek movie. Star Trek 09, one of my just personal favorites, it's the problem with Into Darkness and then eventually Beyond that really dragged the trilogy down. Okay. And Rod, we don't need your third vote, but we want it anyway. Okay, so here's the thing that I look at when when we look at these things is okay, so I've I've 
you've got The Godfather, and for me it's kind of a, okay, I've seen that once, that's good enough. I've gone back to the Star Trek trilogies many times. Mm. Now, I, I am a Trekkie. Well, no, I'm not a Trekkie. I really am not. <laughs> but I really, I, I do enjoy the Star Trek concept, and I really thought they did a wonderful job of these films. With with all of those films, Rod? Can, yeah, can I defend? even, okay, so, yeah, in the other two, actually, which one's the environmental one that was the th- Second one, right? Where I'm trying to think where the world there's kind of an environmental theme. I mean, where, the second one's or, or the one political, that's got Benedict Cumberbatch. Theme, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I get my two and my three mixed up on this, but no, I haven't. I have enjoyed them all, and I feel like they're there. But the first one is definitely the the crown. Really, jewel. the environmental one is Star Trek Four: A Voyage Home when the yeah, humpback whales are yeah, in danger. Oh, but that's not okay, something that's, we're talking way, not, way back. You're yeah, not speaking yeah. my language anymore. Yeah, no. So but, just to be clear, you would choose the, Star. Trek Trek over The Godfather. In this case, I would, yeah, okay. if I'm just looking for something to watch at home. And Lens Flare. Come on, let's talk Lens Flare. You know, well, there's no Lens Flare in The Godfather. You're if gonna, only J.J. Abrams had directed The Godfather. Yes. You're going to have to get on The Godfather bandwagon going forward because The Godfather is moving on. Sorry, Ta-da. Star Trek. All right. The next set of films that we'll be talking about, uh, the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Now, these are the three newest films that we got that are seem to be a complete trilogy. Much like Star Trek, there were plenty of other movies that happened in the 60s and 70s, but the since they have rebooted, they have made a clear trilogy with it, with uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes, and War for war. the Planet of the, the Apes, Planet or War of, of the Planet of the Apes. Dawn, Rise, and War, yep. Another trilogy that I feel bad for, even though it is a solid trilogy, another one that took people... Very much by surprise. However, it's it's going against Toy Story, Cole. Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. Who do you like in this one, Cole? So for me, it's it's tough. Toy Story loses a couple points for having that added fourth movie that I think because of the way but the fourth one ends, it kind of detracts from the powerful emotional ending of the third one. Okay, but we're just saying Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. Right, and my, and my memories of 3 are less now because of four. Oh. Whereas <laughs> the Dawn War and Rise really did have kind of a complete story and led us right into with enough with enough references and callbacks to the additional movies surrounding it, right? Okay. That trilogy is stronger because of the other movies, whereas I think the Toy Story trilogy is a little weaker because of the surrounding movies. Uh, ultimately, I still Gosh. I'm gonna prefer Toy Story. Just have to but... pretend four doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Rod, <laughs> what about you? Would you choose the Planet of the Apes or Toy Story? This was such a tough choice. Because really, I really don't think Planet of the Apes got near the the love that it should have it should have received. Okay, I, I really, really did like Planet of the Apes, um, but I I really love Toy Story too, and it comes down to again. Which one am I going to load up and watch? Uh, because both these franchises are, are kind of history. Well, the, the trios are, the trilogies. And it would be Toy Story. Toy Story is the one that I'm going to come back to and think, you know, a year and a half from now, gosh, I haven't watched that for a while. Yeah, so for Rod, me it's Toy Story. you touched upon something that I think is key. As solid as the Planet of the Apes trilogy was, I don't think I've ever once had the thought, I'm going to go back and watch that again. Yeah, it's that rewatchability thing that we have 
today so easily. You can tell how old I am. But, you know, just being <laughs> able to watch it and sit down in my theater and watch it again. And, yeah, Toy Story is going to be a go-to for the rest of my life. Okay. Well, Cole... You love the Lord of the Rings, you right? Also, to be clear, you also voted Toy Story, right? That is right. that is correct. Mm-hmm. So Toy it's Story's the first moving unanimous on. selection. Yes. Yes. All right. So Toy Story's moving on. Now, Cole, you like the Lord of the Rings, right? I do. Okay. And Rod, you like Lord of the Rings. Yes. Well, yeah. Kind you- of. Okay. Both of the titles in this one, neither of these are big favorites for me. The Lord really? of the Rings, if we could cut that thing down to about two hours per movie, I'd ho- like it a whole lot more. But, yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. If, if these are your comments now, I'm I'm a little worried about the uh, end of this bracket. <laughs> because, Rod, are you... Okay, let's just get down to it then. If you had to choose Lord of the Rings over Pirates of the Caribbean, that wonderful music we came in with... Yeah, and the music's the best be? part, Lord of the Rings. And the music is even better in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. And, you know, Lord of the Rings is a more true trilogy because Pirates of the Caribbean, it's still going. I, and I that is true. Yeah, it is. It's going and going and going, just like the ride. And <laughs> I never, I mean, the first one was entertaining, but I got really tired of Jack Sparrow after mm. we had gotten through that trilogy. I really did. And uh, yeah. This is yet another Didn't trilogy that has other movies around it. But mm-hmm. the thing that makes the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy stand apart from the extra movies was that it was truly the Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley story, right? Jack Sparrow was there and, and he was the star and he's kind of why people well, kept going to the theaters. Relief, but yeah. their story drove the trilogy and when that trilogy ended, it was when their story ended. Well, mm-hmm. and also this is, we're talking about the first three films because those are the films that were all directed by Gore Verbinski and they were shot in conjunction with the other. So, um, yeah, it's more of a true trilogy. However... Not enough of a trilogy to beat yeah. The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, I'm sure we're going to be talking about it more because that's that's got my vote right now. There's definitely more that I want to say. So, Rod, you're saying Lord of the Rings as I well? I am saying Lord of the Rings. A, a, a reluctant yes. I Wow. But, Would you take Pirates of the Caribbean people... or The Hobbit, Rod? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. Pirates may win on that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Cole, we don't need your vote, but we want it anyway. Lord of the Rings, please. Yeah. No surprise there. So Lord of the Rings is moving on. And then the last set of films in this first part of the bracket, the left side, if you will, that we want to talk about. This one uh, may surprise you. Apparently Cole told me that one of these films or one of these trilogies got way more votes than you would expect. Than you would expect. That I would expect. I was shocked, frankly, when he told me that the prequels – in the Star Wars franchise, Phantom we're getting Menace, a Attack lot of, of the votes. Clones and the oh. Revenge of the Sith. Star Wars: The Prequels yeah. Yeah. versus Indiana Jones, parts one through three. Obviously, because we're talking trilogies. All right, now for me, this is extremely clear, crystal clear. Um, it's got to be the franchise that was. One of the films was nominated for Best Picture. It is one that is still In going era. after all these years. <laughs> and it's the one that really pulls Star on— Star Wars is going more strong than Indiana Jones is. It, it's the one that pulls a little more on your heartstrings, though, because if you're if you grew up— in a time when I didn't, obviously, where you would go to the movies 
every weekend to see these serialized epic adventures where you'd have to come back the very next week to see what happened to Jeff, Johnny so and so. Wait a minute, are any of us old enough to remember those? I didn't say I didn't I didn't <laughs> okay. say you. I just said I'm not in that group. Say, even I'm not that old. It's got to be Indiana Jones. Absolutely. Without a doubt, Indiana Jones. Well, pulling for in me. heartstrings, you didn't find the death of Jar Jar Binks to be one of the most dramatic. You know, I don't no, think yeah. he dies. No, he never they, did. But he they, just he might as well be dead because they just, stopped. They basically ignored his existence. Yeah, <laughs> he was the one in the Galactic Senate that voted for, to give Senator Palpatine all of the power and make him the Supreme Chancellor whenever all the, the chaos went down. Well, they really needed a dramatic death scene if they were going to get rid of Jar Jar anyway. But, all right, yeah. Cole, let's talk to you next because I know that you are a big fan or at least a defender of the Star Wars prequels. Sure. And uh, how do you like Star Wars chances up against Indiana Jones? Not great. Yeah. Uh, I think I still vote for Indiana Jones. But the prequels are fun. So this is where we draw a line between a bad movie that is painful to watch and then an admittedly flawed movie that's really fun. And I think that that's what the prequels do, especially no more so. Uh, A conflicted movie is the middle of the trilogy, Attack of the Clones, where you get some of the best moments like Obi-Wan Kenobi going on his little detective hunt for the missing planet and finding the clone army being built there and and finding Jango Fett along with little Bubba. And then eventually at the very end when they go to that galactic coliseum and all of those creative monsters are there to execute them. But Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan take over one of the highlights of all the Star Warses. And then you also have Padme and Anakin's relationship, which is the low light of any of the Star Warses. But Indiana Jones still probably moves forward here. Okay. And Rod, which would you choose? Oh, Indiana Jones, hands down. I think George Lucas was so excited to be shooting one of the very first films um, using digital um, cinematography. And he got so lost in technology during for, in those first two films that I don't even consider it a trilogy. There's really one movie there, and that's Revenge of the Sith. Because then somebody said, hey, uh, George, we need a story. Oh, yeah, okay, well, let's squeeze it in the third movie. So yeah. I, I just want to go on record <laughs> saying that Rod essentially quoted Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Maybe George Lucas was so preoccupied with whether or not he could that nobody stopped to think if he should. <laughs> we mentioned right? Lord of the Rings earlier, a groundbreaking early 2000s trilogy that incorporated Gollum, an entirely CGI character. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks in 1999 was the very first fully fleshed character on film that was entirely was that rendered flesh? by CGI. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Not so flesh, right? But a full character with speaking and and interactions yeah. with live action characters. It was Jar Jar, not Gollum, but people forget just because Jar Jar was not, you know, the oh. best addition to Star Wars. And I loaded up episode two. I can't remember. I think my kids wanted to watch it a couple of years ago. And so like, yeah, okay. So I've got a projector and I'm looking at it on like about 130 inch screen. But boy, those digital effects don't hold up well today. They really don't. Like, I mean, I can look at Kubrick's 2001 and be far more convinced. Sure. And uh, there's a little bit of a spoiler here, but Jurassic Park is not a trilogy that is going to be featured on our bracket Really, there's only one 
true good mm. movie oh, in yeah. all of those films. That, that one really made. nosedived after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's talk about of our honorable mentions then. What were some trilogies that didn't make it onto the bracket that you would have seen, that you would have liked to have seen? Um, perhaps The Matrix. But again, I, I feel like the first one is the only one worth watching. Um, in the one good movies category, we kind of put in Pirates of the Caribbean and then left off, like we said, Jurassic Park, The Matrix, a couple of these others. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was campaigning for the Santa Claus. Oh, one, two, and three. <laughs> I, I'm glad we won't be talking about that one. <laughs> I also was hoping for a couple different early 2000s superhero trilogies. You won't see either X Men or Spider Man. Or the specific Logan, Hugh Jackman, X-Men trilogy that was aside from the other trilogy and then the other X-Men movies as well. There will be a couple comic book franchises, but they're on the other side of the bracket. So, okay, to be clear, here are the films that are moving on in the bracket. We have the Godfather saga, and I'm surprised we were not unanimous on that one, going up against the Toy Story trilogy, which we were unanimous on that one, Mm -hmm. right? And then below that, we have the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Again, uh, were we anonymous? Or, yep. yep. I said anonymous. I yeah, didn't mean unanimous. anonymous. I meant yeah. unanimous. I, I will say, disguise my voice in post so thank it you. seems like I'm anonymous. Thank you, Cole. Lord of the Rings going up against Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. The people were in line with us. <gasps> the, on all four of these? The closest, yes, Ooh. on all four. The closest competition in the first round of either side or top or bottom or however you're looking at a bracket was between Godfather and Star Trek. Really? Mm-hmm. If you count just the first round matchup, more people did vote for Star Trek than the Godfather head-to-head. But when I did my math to like you know, count how many votes it totally got in the bracket. More people voted for The Godfather as their champion than Star Trek. Uh, No one voted for Star Trek as their overall champion, where Godfather got a few votes. And people that were voting for The Godfather in the first round voted it again and again and again in the later rounds. So even Mm. though it got fewer votes in that first matchup, it moved further more often than Star Trek and accumulated more points the way I was tabulating. Wow. So, Cole... um, Tell us what we're going to do here really quick before we go to break. Uh, As we mentioned before, not all trilogies stick to just trilogies. It's an age where you can make money. And there are plenty of spinoffs as well. Before we take a break and head on to the other half of our bracket, we want to do a short lightning round bracket of the best spinoffs to come off of other trilogies And I want to start with an example of a spinoff that I think is better than any of the movies in the trilogy proper and also give us a little uh, motivating music to get through the next couple minutes. Lightning round. I like to move it, move it. Mm. I like to move it. Oh, yeah. The song from Penguins of Madagascar. There goes my weekend. We need to move it. We need to move it along here, We need to move it, move it through these spinoffs. First off, do you want Penguins of Madagascar? Or minions, Pe- uh, penguins, penguins by a hair, penguins Ooh. also. Okay. Next, in the category of Star Wars spinoffs, do you want Rogue One or Solo, a Star Wars story? Rogue One, Rogue One, Solo. Ooh. I guess Rogue One moves on. Yeah, yeah. 
Oceans 8 branched off of Oceans 11, 12, and 13, and Mad Max Fury Road came off of that original trilogy. Fury Road! Fury Road, hands down. Also Fury Road. Movie. Men in Black International was a reboot with a new cast, and then Born Legacy also tried to reboot another trilogy with a different leading man. Legacy! Men in Black, because <gasps> Legacy stunk. Also <laughs> Men in Black International, <gasps> it moves on. What? So, Penguins versus Rogue One. Uh, oh, ooh. Rogue I put, One. I put Rogue One. Oh, hands down. Penguins, so Rogue One, I guess, moves on anyway. Fury Road versus Men in Black International. Oh, Fury Road. Fury Road. Fury Road. And then in the final, Fury Road, Fury Road versus Rogue One. Oh, God. I vote for Rogue One. Rod, what? it's up to no. you. Oh. No. Mad Max, Fury Road. Come on. Move it, move it, Rod. Mad, Mad Max, Fury yes. Road. Yeah. Mad yes. Max, Fury Road becomes the champion of our spin-off bracket. Minute. The you best chose... spin-off from a trilogy. Did he say Penguins? Of over... I can't remember. Gosh. Yeah, over Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, over Rogue One. This was the song that launched a trilogy that launched a spin-off. Let's head off to break, and when we come back, we will talk about the next half of our trilogy's bracket here on Screen Cleaning. All right, so Cole, I know that's Tina Turner, but you're going to have to explain what song that is and where it's from. This is We Don't Need Another Hero, parentheses, Thunderdome. From the movie Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, the third in the Mad Max trilogy as we head back into our trilogy's bracket. You know, okay, Cole, that song seems totally out of place in a bracket that has film scores like the one from The Godfather and uh, Lord of the Rings and Indiana Jones and Back to the Future. So it seems way out of place, and I am going to admit – when this song plays through the opening credits of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome... It's misplaced there, too. It is so out of place there. Tina Turner, however, is not misplaced in that movie, but we'll talk more about Mad Max here in just a minute. That was back in the days, you know, where they take the strangest popular song and plop it in the movie. In 1985, (laughs) that song, though, got a Grammy nomination for Tina Turner, a song that got an Oscar nomination for Best Original Song, The Power of Love, as featured in (gasps) Back to the Future, which is the first trilogy we want to talk about. Okay, so Back to the Future, Alan Silvestri has a wonderful score for that film, a very iconic score, and Back to the Future is going up against Men in Black, the original Men in Black trilogy. trilogy, not including International. Right. Hmm. Okay, now, Men in Black... To its credit, I'm going to just say is another movie that seems like it shouldn't have worked. It's just this really bizarre movie that came out at a time when Will Smith was insanely popular and his charm matched with Tommy Lee Jones's dry wit were so perfectly matched that this was such a fun movie to see. I'm sure it came out 4th of July weekend because that's the weekend that that Will Smith used to own back in the day. Independence Day weekend, you might say. However, as far as trilogies go, part two really derailed things in a big, big way. Not a CGI Johnny Knoxville fan? No, but there is a bit of a bump uh, with part three, and I, I would tell anybody that would care to listen that part three is certainly worth watching, very entertaining. 
if for no other reason than to see Josh Brolin doing his best Tommy Lee Jones impersonation. Rod, I'm curious to know which trilogy you would choose to move on. Well, it was a hard choice. There are things I like and don't like about both of these, but I think it leaned towards Back to the Future for me because, first of all, Michael J. Fox. I I, I always... I, I, for the most part, have enjoyed his performances. I'm a sucker for a time travel uh, premise. And it has a DeLorean in it. I mean, come on. <laughs> what more could you want? So I, I, I feel like Back to the Future, there's some things that I wish weren't there. It's one of those movies that you remember fondly from your earlier, from your youth. But then you watch it in front of your kids and you go, oh, I forgot that was in there. So there's a little bit of that in that's it That's that me. whole movie. Mm. Yes, that's that whole movie. And, and that part I wish wasn't there. But overall, looking at the concept, I really like the concept. So you'll take Michael J. Fox over Eric Stoltz? Yeah, Ooh. I think I would. Cole, that was, that was a low that, blow. That was hard. Sorry. Yeah. Cole, what about you? Um, I think the first Men in Black I like more than any individual movie in the Back to the Future trilogy. Really? But the Back to the Future trilogy, I would argue, is one of the best as a whole working trilogies of all time. And that's what the bracket's all about. That's what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. The faults of two and, you know, Men in Black three is OK, but. Those two are much, much weaker, and the power and synergy of the three Back to the Futures working together and bringing yeah. themes back time yeah. and it's time the, and again. It's the power of love, Cole. And really the power of three. And when's the last time you heard somebody say, hey, let's sit down and watch the Men in Black trilogy? But, you know, just— mm. It's really, let's sit down and watch the first Men in Black. Yeah, it Whereas is. Whereas back, back to the Future, every couple of years, you dust off the well, Blu-rays and, and the, watch them again. What was the date that just went by, the, the future date? 2015, of, so October yeah. 21st? 2015 oh, yeah. was when he the Cubs were so yes. close yeah. to to winning that World that Series, so right? Cool, yeah. So one thing I will say, Cole or Rod, you touched upon this is just the fact that this is a trilogy that has stood the test of time. People yeah, continue to watch it <laughs> now. Uh, Men in Black, you said you mentioned people aren't talking about it as much anymore. The the CGI in that film has not aged well, just as the makeup from Back to the Future has not aged well, especially if you're watching it yeah. on Blu-ray. You see... The actual the... actors have aged better than the aged <laughs> right. makeup from... Yes. So Back to the Future, no surprise, is moving on. Moves on in our bracket and the people's bracket. Yeah, no surprise there. Okay, this next one is uh, an interesting, uh, interesting match, Cole. We've got the Clint Eastwood's Dollars Trilogy, which isn't necessarily... I don't know that you could call it a continuation of the same story. It's basically, you could also call it the Man With No Name trilogy, right? Yep. Which, by the way, that's what the DVD box set says. He definitely has a name in at least a few dollars more. And I think he also in... all three. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm pretty so sure. there is A Fistful of Dollars things. for a few dollars more, and then The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that is going head-to-head with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Again, none of the other Batmans. We're not focused on mm-hmm. Keaton or Kilmer or Clooney. The, I didn't realize all those names start with that same sound. <laughs> this is Christian Bale's The Batman. Okay, this was a tough one for me because, in my opinion, the good, the bad, and the ugly is the greatest Western ever made. This 
is such an epic film, you don't want it to end. And you have these three characters that represent the good, the bad, and the ugly. No surprise there. And you're kind of, in a way, rooting for each and every one of them. And they keep getting into these jams that you don't know how they're going to get out of them. And somehow, especially the Eli Wallach character, he kind of just weasels his way out of things. I love characters like the Eli Wallach character where on the surface they just seem like somebody that should be dismissed, not given a second thought to. But really, you should never underestimate them because they have this ability to weasel their way out of these situations. And I love the way this movie ends. Love the movie. However, for me, the other two films in the trilogy are not as strong. And they're not as strong as the three films in the Dark Knight trilogy, in my opinion. And I love those films so much that I would certainly have to choose Christopher Nolan over Sergio Leone. It's interesting to see which movie of the trilogy is the best. I I agree with you that in the Dollars trilogy, it's the third one. In the Dark Knight trilogy, it's the middle one. We've had, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and Men in Black, where the first one is just clearly the best. Um, So it's interesting to see how how trilogies kind of run their course. I am going to vote for Clint Eastwood and Sergio Leone over the Dark Knight because of the strength of all three movies and because of just the concept of the spiritual trilogy. Sergio Leone's Dollars trilogy is the only one represented here on our bracket. We left off the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, which was when Edgar Wright got together with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg and made three movies that were of the same feel and genre-ish, you know, Brit humor kind of. It was Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and World's End, right? But Eastwood did it with three of the greatest westerns of all time and embodying a similar character in three different stories. I love it. Okay, before we hear from you, Rod, let it be known, Cole just X'd out the trilogy that contains probably his favorite movie of all time, The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yep, because uh, we're Rod, talking the I was trilogy. surprised. I knew how much you liked The Dark Knight. Rod, yeah. but you're also, your eyebrows kind of shot up when I said The Good and the Bad and the Ugly was the greatest Western of all time. Do the right thing here, Rod. What's it going to be? <laughs> there are times when, again, what I love about the age in which we live is we can watch this stuff over and over. And I went back and I looked at these Eastwood films again, knowing we were going to talk about them today. And every now and then there are movies that define a genre. And I think these Eastwood films define that genre very well. They are, you know, as much as the the uh, the Nolan or whatever we want to call it, the Batman trilogy is such a big thing right now, there's going to be another Batman trilogy. There already was. You know, like, they're, they're going to keep coming back, redoing that. Imagine somebody coming back to try and redo what, what, Eastwood, what Eastwood and Sergio Leone did with those original movies and, like, go ahead, make my sequel. Like, no, that's not going to happen. So well, that's the I, wrong um, franchise, that movie line right there, Rod. Well, I know. It's the wrong <laughs> franchise, but we're still talking a little Eastwood here. Um, when I went back and looked at those films, and I do have a bias. I remember going and seeing those films with my dad. My parents took me to a lot of movies when I was, like, nine 
nine years old they shouldn't have taken me to. But I remember going to the drive-in and watching these movies and being quite fascinated with the filmmaking and what was going on. So, so for me, it really is the Dollars Trilogy. The other thing about the Dollars Trilogy, we're talking about um, musical scores today. This one has a musical score um, that continues. There's some continuity between all three of those movies that is just fascinating. All three of them. And Nick just kind of built one upon the yeah. other on the other. Yeah. And, and honestly, this week was the first time that I ever saw a fistful of do- dollars. I've seen mm-hmm. the other two before, yeah. and, and I rewatched for a few dollars more as well. But when I heard that music the just music. start and kick it off right away, yes. I didn't realize that that classic Western theme was also from this movie, and it's also yeah. Morricone to, to think. And again, it defines that genre. You hear that music, and you you think dust and cacti and you know the old scrubby town and everything Spaghetti else. Westerns mm-hmm. are a Spaghetti thing Western, because of yeah. this trilogy. I guess because Dark Knight is now officially not moving on. I should mention, I do love The Dark Knight, the middle movie, but The Dark Knight Rises is one of my least favorite movies just of all time for what it was supposed to be and for how disappointing it was. And Batman Begins is extremely forgettable. There was no through wow. line through the whole thing Funny for a movie that was wow. reliant on how Batman grows and changes. The the thing that we set up in The Dark Knight kind of falls apart with Bane in the third one. Batman doesn't have anything to do for most of it when he's kind of just broken down. And mm-hmm. and and nothing that he learned, you know, they, they kind of set it up so well that, hey, there's going to be consequences for the big lie you told at the end of Dark Knight. But then that lie and consequences don't really lead Batman or Commissioner Gordon to anything, right? It doesn't change the way that they look at their world in The Dark Knight Rises, um, I, I think that it was just a mess. It was way too long as far as what they had going on. Well, I'm going to uh, cry over my 4K Dark Knight trilogy this weekend, and I will, I will just forget everything that I've just heard. Unsurprisingly, the people voted for Batman, um, and actually the Clint Eastwood Dollars trilogy was the second least – vote getting and yet it's moving on in the bracket and very few people remember it i mean like yeah what year fistful of dollars i think that was 66 67 mm -hmm. yeah 66 yeah so i mean i was all five years old which is why i need i had to go back and rewatch it too all right well according to our electoral college here on screen cleaning the dark or the dark knight trilogy will not be moving on but we will be moving on to the next part of the bracket We've got, and it's already been mentioned a number of times on the show, the Mad Max trilogy, which started out with Mad Max. The second one was really known as The Road Warrior. But Mad Max 2, back in George Miller's homeland of Australia. Right. And part three was known as Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And for clarity... Because I'm not sure if everyone got this when they were voting because I just – I can't believe that this many – as many people that voted for it have actually seen these three movies, not including Fury Road. Fury Road yeah. was the spinoff that came after the trilogy, you know, 30 years – uh, you know, the Mad Max 3 came out in 85. Fury Road comes out in 2015, 16, 17-ish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the original trilogy. This is, uh, this is Mel Gibson. Yes. That is correct. Okay. And that's going head-to-head – with Captain America. Now, to be clear, Cole, tell us which films are being counted here. Again, another trilogy within a wider scope here, but Captain America, Captain America the Winter Soldier, and then Captain America Civil War is a clear Captain America trilogy that happened 
amongst 24 other great Marvel movies. All right. So which one do you like in this, Cole? I like Captain America's trilogy more than Mad Max, and I also like Captain America's trilogy more than any of the other trilogies within the MCU because I like his character growth. He starts off as just this wide-eyed, bushy-tailed kid that wants to do good, and then he gets all of this power, and he still finds a way to be true to himself and make the ultimate sacrifice at the end of the first Avenger until he's you know, brought out of the ice and recruited as the first Avenger by Nick Fury. Until he realizes he's now in a new world, and with the Winter Soldier, he has to react and change to that world. I've said it before, but in Civil War, if you just look at it at face value, the guy that you think would do what the government is telling you to do, and the guy that wants to rebel, uh, would be flip-flopped from what they actually are. Captain America has now this distrust of the modern world and, and really believes in his own powers, And that's because of the two other movies, whereas Iron Man has kind of come to this point because of what we saw in Avengers Age of Ultron and because of what we saw in a couple other things. Whereas Captain America, if you just took his movies out of the whole MCU, they still work. And I don't think any other heroes movies quite do that as well as Captain America. I also, you know, he's my he's my favorite superhero other than Spider-Man. Once we get a third Spider-Man in the MCU, uh, you know, I'll I'll take that. But as of now, it's Chris Evans. Okay. How about you, Rod? Uh, Definitely Captain America. And I'm not a huge um, MCU Marvel Comics Universe fan, but out of all of the staple of characters, I really, I enjoy Captain America. And that story arc, for me, is the one that I relate to the most. The original Mad Max films, uh, I really enjoyed Fury Road, and it doesn't even seem to be related to the original trio for me. I've um, those films were just I just never really even when I was younger and I remember watching watching some of them I just could never really get my head into them at all I they just don't work for me well I'm going to cast my dissenting vote which doesn't really matter at this point because with the Captain America films I feel like for the most part I'm getting more of the same that I got in countless other films in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Whereas with the Mad Max trilogy, and especially with Fury Road, although I know that's not part of the original trilogy, I remember I remember seeing Fury Road in the movie theater and being completely blown away by what I was seeing on the screen. Like my it was almost as if my mind couldn't process what I was seeing on the screen. It was so over the top, so bonkers and yes. <laughs> I, I could not fathom how somebody could even dream up what I was seeing on the screen. And with the other Mad Max movies, also very bonkers, very over the top, and just a really fun time. I just finished watching Beyond Thunderdome, and I thought I would love to watch these movies in a big group setting because they're just so bizarre and out there that you can't help but love them. They kind of ramp to that point, though. The first Mad Max was more of a more very revenge. indie, you yeah. know, low budget. It reminded me a lot of a horror of the horror movies that I watched sure. in the 60s and 70s as well, where they didn't have a lot to go on and they were reliant on, you know, no-name actors like mm-hmm. Mel Gibson uh, at the time. And then as we went on in the universe, you know, kind of makes sense with the apocalypse, things get crazier and crazier as we get further and further from civilization. Yeah. Well, Captain America is moving on in the trilogy. Now for the last slot, we've got the Bourne trilogy, uh, and that includes the Bourne Identity, the Bourne 
supremacy and the and born, the born ultimatum. ultimatum. All right, and that is going up against the original Star Wars trilogy, A New Hope, or as it should always be called or referred to as Star Wars. That's that's mm-hmm. the way I could see it. Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Now, Rod, you are probably the likeliest person in this room to have seen these films originally when they came out. (laughs) So why don't we start with you on this one? Well, okay, first of all, I really— Oh, and to clarify, I meant Star Wars, not Born Identity. Yeah. We're that old. Cole and I saw the Born movies in the theaters. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was only—yeah, no. (laughs) Everybody can do the math now. I revealed my age in in a couple of brackets ago. so the Bourne movies, let's talk about those for a minute. I really enjoyed those films. Uh, and I felt like they did a really good job of creating this character that I was really looking forward to seeing the next movie because I wanted to know what, what was going to happen to Jason Bourne. Um, they were they were really tightly made movies and... Um, and I just really enjoyed the way they were executed. My my, the downside for me was the second one and all the handheld camera stuff. I wasn't the only person leaving the cinema at our at our at our press screening. Who was sick saying, to your stomach? I can't eat lunch for a while. Yeah. So. But but it was revolutionary. I mean, you see how even the James Bond movies ended up going stylistic mm-hmm. wise, mm-hmm. and we have the Bourne movies to thank for it—a more gritty, handheld, down yeah. with the action kind yeah. of a shoot. Yeah. Where yeah, it's kind. Of chaotic and and it gives you a headache now looking back. But Bourne was blazing the trail. It really for was, what yeah. And then action. the Daniel Craig James Bond started picking that up. Even as so, well. I mean, Captain but, America movies yeah. use some of that. But too. I don't want to speak for Rod, but I would imagine there was nothing quite like seeing the original Star Wars trilogy in the movie. Jeff theaters. just really wants to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Jeff, absolutely. I still remember lining up to go see that movie in a little small town theater. Uh, I remember seeing all three of those movies. And the second one was kind of a, uh, my wife and I, well, let me think. No, that was the third one. My wife and I just got married and we went to see that one. And uh, no, Star Wars, again, this boils down to what I was saying earlier. I look at these two trilogies and I think, okay, I've watched the Bourne trilogy a couple of times. I've probably watch Star Wars, especially if my kids, you know, 10, 11, 12 times <laughs> that we have sat down and probably another one is coming up um, again where we're going to sit down and watch the three Star Wars movies. It is. I've kind of advertised us doing these trilogies as celebrating the Star Wars trilogy of trilogies yeah, coming to yeah, an end. It really is. And again, what I was saying about the, the Dollars trilogy, this again defined in many ways, it has defined a genre. So I'm guessing you're going with Star Wars. It's Star Wars, hands down. Well, I too am going with Star Wars. I'll also vote for Star Wars, but I want it to be said that I think of our losers now that we've seen. Jason Bourne is the strongest trilogy as far as all three movies go. Some of the other losers had like one real strong movie or a couple things that we like. I love what the Bourne trilogy did. Sure. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars is better. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, here's where things get a little tough because we've whittled it down to eight films, and now we've got to whittle it down even more. So we've got The Godfather going up against Toy Story. And for me, it is the Toy Story trilogy that would move on because I cry in all of these films. 
Uh, three has one of the most perfect endings to any trilogy possibly that I've ever seen. In fact, that has my favorite ending of any trilogy I've seen. I will just say it. You think better that than the l- ending of Toy the- Story is better than the ending of Godfather? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and definitely better yes. than, take your pick, any one of the eight endings of The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. <laughs> um, and with The Godfather, my problem there is, to me, it the best one was the first one. The worst one by far was the third one. And the third one just sours your taste of the whole experience, that it kind of decreases the value of the trilogy as a whole. Toy Mm -hmm. Story, for me, has got to move on. I'll defend The Godfather for a second and vote for it against Toy Story. Really? Because The Godfather Part 3 is bad for a Godfather movie, but it's great on any other scale because those first two had just set the bar so high. Al Pacino is just a different character by the time we get... You feel the passage of time in this man's life by the time you get to Godfather 3, and he takes on more the role of a father, and he's trying to go back to what he was with Diane Keaton from the first one, and he kind of lost his way along the way, but he still cannot break out of this Godfather persona that he's taken on in the in the wake of his father. I defend Godfather 3, and I defend the whole trilogy. Rod? Well, I respect the Godfather as far as being a an incredible piece of movie making. I like looking at it, but I engage with the Toy Story franchise on a much more personal level. It, it really does engage me and— uh, uh, and uh, which really was amazing to me. I remember seeing the first Toy Story movie when it first came out, and there was so much talk about this digital three-dimensional animation, and I thought, this is going to be a big gimmick movie. Pixar blew me away, and they always have because they write stories. They know how to write stories. Yeah. Okay. This is the strength of Pixar and... Toy Story does move on. Toy Story was a top four vote getter in our people's bracket as well. That's not surprising, Cole. All right. So the next part of the bracket here is Lord of the Rings versus Indiana Jones. As much as we can make fun of the end of Lord of the Rings, that trilogy really does work as a whole viewing experience way, way better than the Indiana Jones. The Indiana Jones movies have a strong main character. And by the end of it, we get a strong interaction between him and Sean Connery. But the Lord of the Rings trilogy is on a different level. So you're going with Lord of the Rings? I am. Rod? I have to correct for my bias. I am not a big fantasy fan to begin with. I don't really enjoy the stories embedded in Lord of the Rings. But as a piece of filmmaking, it is an incredible. Uh, Jackson did an amazing job. As a piece job. of New Zealand advertisement, you yes, enjoy yes. watching it? <laughs> yeah, a great promotional video for New Zealand. No, it, it, it really is an amazing uh, work of art. Okay, so we are trampling all over people who love the nostalgia that uh, Indiana Jones brings. There is it's not a true trilogy because there is, there was a fourth film. I liked the fourth film a lot more than most people Anyone seem to. Anyone else I've ever met. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Say, really? It's certainly I can see how it's the least, but I still enjoyed it. Honestly, I view the original Indiana Jones trilogy less and less every time Jeff talks about how much he likes the fourth one by saying, "Oh, it's no crazier than the second or third." And I think Oh, if that's true, maybe the second and third weren't good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about Back to the Future versus A Fistful of Dollars or the Dollars Trilogy? 
here I am going to go back to Back to the Future. Like I said before, really seeing the trilogy as a whole, but also being able to watch each individual movie. Um, it does what you know the Dollars trilogy wasn't trying to do, to be fair, but it unites the three movies in a, in a strong thread. Okay. I'm also going to go with Back to the Future because it has stood the test of time. And going back to what you said earlier, Rod, people are talking still about Back to the yeah. Future. They're not really talking about the Fistful of Dollars no. trilogy. I wonder when the, if the Western genre will really come back one day. I'm waiting for that. Watch there The Mandalorian been, on yeah. Disney+. Plus. Yeah. There yeah. have been some it really, really is, good ones. There's been uh, 310 to Yuma. Yes. Uh, Unforgiven is, is yeah. another yeah. amazing Yeah, uh, we have Western. had. But boy, that era where it was like a Western every week, it felt like, which <laughs> it wasn't quite. But I am so no. happy that Eastwood moved on at least just for yeah. one round. Yeah, me too. Makes me me too. Yeah. So, Rod, I know uh, the Dollars trilogy won't move on, but can you give us your two cents? Back to the future. Huh? Yeah. Did you, it, did you it, like it, that it, little currency it, joke oh, there? Yeah, very nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I missed what you did there. Yes. Back to the Future, it, it does, it, it works well. Um, I, you know, I don't even know if they really intended those original three movies to be a trilogy that seemed to be a more of an accidental thing. Also, but... Back to the Future 3, also a Western. Westerns yes. are moving that on. That is true. Yep, and Back right. to the Future was a top four vote getter as well. Our final four so far is looking very similar to what the people voted. Will we take... Their last pick as well. It's Star Wars versus Captain America. Of course, Star Wars is moving mm. on. Yep. Cole? I, I want to vote for Captain America, but what? It, it seems like Star Wars is going to move on. Rod? Yeah. Star, Star Wars. Wars? I mean, come on. Okay. Yeah. So, Especially the, the – and we're talking, just to clarify, this is the original Star original. Wars trilogy, which are now episodes four, five, and six. Well, yes. I'm not sure what uh, the people voted, but let it be known – that the four remaining films are Toy Story, Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, and Star Wars, which are the four films that I had put moving on on my personal bracket. So I am very pleased with the way things are going right now. And when we return, we're going to whittle that list down even more and determine which trilogy is the greatest trilogy ever made here on Screen Cleaning. That music just makes me want to go back and rewatch all of the Lord of the Rings films. At do least... you have a spare 20 hours to do that? <laughs> makes me want to go visit the washroom because I remember in that third movie thinking, i got to go do something else. Isn't Is it, it ending? End? Oh, Is it's it ending. End? Oh, good, it's ending. No, it's not ending. You know, as we have narrowed things down to the final four, I realized I own every single one of these trilogies on disc. In one format or another, I, we've got Toy Story going up against Lord of the Rings. We've got Back to the Future going up against Star Wars. I own all of them. And isn't that kind of a good sign of movies that either have stood the test of time or trilogies that are just the quality of the films is so high that people – there's a reason people keep going back and back to them. I own three of the four of them on DVD. The one I don't is Star Wars because I still have the original VHS tapes from before <gasps> George Lucas changed who shot when. And you could probably get some good else. money for those, Cole. Yeah, but I want to keep watching All them. All right. Well, I just want to say this first part of this final four was probably the most difficult decision I've had to make, or had to make with Toy Story and The Lord of the Rings – 
Toy Story, every time I watch it, I cry and think, this is the greatest trilogy I've ever seen. However, it's more episodic than The Lord of the Rings. Those films were really shot in conjunction. And as far as the strength of a trilogy is concerned, I would probably vote for The Lord of the Rings just because it is something that you could watch you could see it as one continuous film, and I'm kicking myself for not buying the extended versions and instead opting for the theatrical versions. I think for a similar reason, I'm going to vote for Toy Story instead because the Lord of the Rings just jumble all together in my mind. I can't remember where which one ends and which one starts or which battles in which movie. Uh, whereas Toy Story, you can watch them all together. It tells the story of Andy over time in real time and you watch him grow up. But also I remember specifically what happens in each movie and I could pick any of them off the shelf and just watch that hour and a half isolated. They're each fantastic movies and they're built better by the fact that they're a trilogy. Okay, so we've got one vote for Toy Story, oh, one for Lord of the pressure, Rings. The pressure, the pressure. I sound like, I feel like Rex right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, and speaking I don't of, like confrontation. Yes, this is too hard, but I've got to vote for Toy Story. <gasps> yes, no, it's Toy Story for oh, me. It really wow. is, yeah. Cole, why don't we have you introduce this last one? Star Wars, the original trilogy versus Back to the Future, and I continue to vote for Back to the Future mm-hmm. as my favorite trilogy. Wow, really? Back to the Future versus Star Wars. Yeah, no, Star Wars. A- again, this is this is a defining defining movie franchise. Back to the Future was fun, but not defining. As great and as much respect as I have for the original Star Wars trilogy and how it it may even have no. defined an entire genre. Back to the Future is held in such reverence. Really? And Robert Zemeckis has gone on record to say there will never be a, a reboot of Back to the Future as long as I am alive. <laughs> and Back to the Future is—it's it, more nostalgic for me than than Star Wars, the Star Wars experience. And they're going to—now that Disney owns them, they're, they're never going to stop making them. Isn't it them, funny so how there will our, always be more. Our, our ages, because the three of us are really three generations probably, mm-hmm. or just almost, and how the nostalgia factor works into this. Absolutely. All right. Now, Rod, why don't you introduce the last two films on this? All right. We have Toy Story, drumroll, versus Back to the Future. And what is your vote? Oh, it's a Toy Story, hands down, on this one, given this this choice. Again, I just, uh, I've really personally engaged with the Toy Story movies. Okay. Here's where I said my bracket was upset a little bit because in the final four or the final two, I had Lord of the Rings going up against Back to the Future and I chose the Lord of the Rings over Back to the Future. And since I said that Toy Story and Lord of the Rings was the toughest decision on my bracket, it's probably no surprise that Toy Story wins over Back to the Future again. Every time I watch this trilogy, I cry. And every time I watch it, it's one of those rare trilogies where... Every time you watch one of the films, you think, no, this is the best one in the trilogy. And then you watch the next one. No, this is the best one in the trilogy. It was the first time that a Disney sequel wasn't just yet another direct-to-video. And it was meant to be a direct-to-video sequel. But they realized they had something there. Yes. And yes. I will make the final a unanimous decision. Talk about nostalgia and our different generations. I am Andy's age. I've said it before on the mm-hmm. program that I... I was the summer after I graduated high school that I sat there watching Toy Story 3 and watching Andy 
part ways with his toys, not knowing the emotional connection that they had to him. Everyone moves on. I was doing the same thing. And Toy Story is just such a personal story to me yeah. that I will vote for that as the greatest trilogy of all time. I'm That's happy decided with that. Me too. I can We're live all with that. happy. Wow. Now, if only they hadn't made Toy Story 4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What you said about Back to the Future made me pause for just a second that there's never been a Back to the Future 4 or another one to kind of spoil the trilogy. It's That's a true trilogy. Our people voted uh, Lord of the Rings as the number one vote getter in in every single category. Star Wars was number two, just for the record. Wow. Mm, So the people would have voted the same way as me. I just want to highlight that once again. Jeff, normally a man of the people. Yes. (laughs) I I serve the people, Cole. Well, that's going to do it. What's for lunch, Jeff? (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We hope you have enjoyed playing along. This was an epic-sized episode, and... uh, we are so grateful to have Rod Gustafson on the show once again. Rod, thank you for being here. You know, this was very fun. Thank you. And join us next week. We're going to be airing an episode of Screen Cleaning called The Christmas Carol, just in time for Christmas, where Cole and I decide once and for all what would make the ultimate version of A, a Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. That's up next week here on Screen Cleaning. Screen Cleaning.